Colossians 1, verses 3 through 14. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Ephesus, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love of the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of God for the people of God. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that the words that I speak today will be your words. That your message will touch our hearts and our minds. And that as we go through this holiday season and every day of our life, that we will be focused on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one morning, a farmer told his wife that he was going to go pluck the ripened fruit from the field. He got off to an early start, climbed into his pickup truck, and noticed he needed gas. So before he went to the field, he turned the truck around and headed toward the barn, where his field tank was, to fill up. But as he climbed out of that truck, he noticed his pigs hadn't been fed yet. So he turned and proceeded into the corn crib, where he grabbed some um, sacks of feed. But beside the sack of feed were some sprouting potatoes. And so he thought, well, on the way to feed the pigs, I'll dump those into the potato pit. So he grabbed those, leaving the feed behind, headed for the potato pit got there, dumped him in, turned around, and noticed the woodpile. And thought, uh-oh, my wife asked me to bring wood into the house. So he went over to the woodpile and picked up some wood, and as he was picking it up, he saw an ailing chicken walking by. Drops the wood, picks up the chicken. Well, 
You know what probably happened. By noon, he didn't get much done. That frustrated farmer still had not gotten gaps in the truck, nor had he went to the field to get the ripened fruit. And now, it was too hot outside, and all the ripened fruit had begun to fall to the ground. Oh, dear. The dis distractions that we have in life. Sound familiar? <laughs> this morning was a perfect example of that. Okay. Have you ever intended to do something that was very important, but found yourself in a similar situation of being distracted by seemingly other important tasks, and then it moved you completely away from your main objection, uh, objective? Well, that's kind of how my last few weeks have been, and this morning started the same way, as you noticed. I got so intent on what I needed to do, I forgot to let the intro happen first. Trying to write a sermon about distraction and focus. <laughs> Guess how my week went. <laughs> Several weeks, actually. Um, you know, phone calls, texts going off when you're in the middle of something. Um, my house was a mess. Oh, gosh, I can't stand it. Got to go clean my house. Um, you know, I've got to get that tidied up. Or I'm so tired, I just don't have anything else in me. I'm going to bed. And then on top of it, I'm not a morning person, so that makes a, a, a bit of a problem. At my other job at River Park, I'm the administrative assistant, and I was doing the bulletin this week. After having it checked twice by other people, I printed it. I get a call from the pastor. You forgot so-and-so in the bulletin. You need to reprint. Really? Reprint and redo? Okay, so I had to do that. So those kind of little distractions, and, and on top of it, I have a cat who likes to do this to me. I have this wonderful cat named Bart, and he usually at night likes to cuddle with me, and he'll climb up right up here and get all snuggled in. Well, of course, this week, though, I'm trying to write the sermon. And it's during the day. He doesn't usually cuddle during the day. He decides three times that he's going to climb up, get up here, get all snuggled in, purring, and he's nice and warm. And guess what I did? <laughs> Stopped writing and cuddled. Oh, the little distractions that keep us from doing what we need. I think I need this sermon worse than anybody else. <laughs> so being that this is our last Sunday before we go headlong into these holidays, the message may help us to prepare ourselves mentally and spiritually for the other things that will be vying for our attention, not including our normal everyday responsibilities. You know, the decorating, the baking, shopping, wrapping, gathering with friends, and list the list just goes on and on and on and on. Now, there's nothing wrong with what we're doing, nothing at all. But we have to ask ourselves why and in what order are we doing it. Some of us are more organized than others. You probably already have your tree up, 
your presents bought and wrapped. But most of us, however, it's going to be a whirlwind of things to do and places to be. If, you are, if we are not mindful and prepared, the slippery slope of overcommitment, stress, and anxiety to get everything done can cause a disconnect from the most important relationship we have, our relationship with Jesus. So how do we as Christians keep our focus on the real reason for the season and not lose sight of him? So we need to turn away from distractions now and think about focus. Focus on Jesus. One, having a life focused on Jesus doesn't change what we're doing. Doesn't change no matter the circumstances. So turning to scripture today, at first you're probably thinking, okay, now what is she going to get out of this prayer? Um, it can be, there's a lot of stuff in there. But the Apostle Paul was writing to the people of Colossus. I hope I said that right. There were some false teachers that were making their way through the church and indoctrinating believers with a combination of Jewish and Hellenistic beliefs that troubled and confused these new Christians. Sounds like distractions to me. But Paul was concerned. He was in prison, but he wrote this letter. He had never met this church, even though it was by one of his followers, was started. Paul stepped in and wrote a letter to restore the believer's focus to know God and to making God known to the world. Um, E.D. Egner said, even though we may believe we... We may believe we know our divine purpose, but we can still lose our way. Paul didn't want them to lose their way. He was very concerned about that. Much like the farmer in our story, some of us tend to reprioritize our, our, our plans daily at the drop of a hat. We are called to be different from the world, to be honest do we appear any different than the millions of other people during this time of year? Paul's prayer sets up a path for us to follow. To establish a focused life and stand firm on it. In order to make wise choices, we have the difference between making a good choice or making a wise choice. So he prayed this. He prayed that they would have the knowledge of God's will. Not only to know it, but to be filled with it. Have you ever thought about your life being filled with God's will? Paul asked that they would know his will in every aspect of their experience, what they thought and what they did. Now, I want to make that a little more personal for us. 
Paul asks that we would know God's will in every aspect of our experience, what we think about and what we do. Do we live intentionally, seeking to truly know God's ways and to think, feel, and show others what a true follower looks like? In our relationship with Christ, it must affect all areas of our life. There is no way we can live a life pleasing to God if we ignore what we think, the actions we take, or the negative feelings we hold on to. So let's begin with our thought life. You know what I mean by thought life? Nobody else knows what's going on here, up here, except you and God. This thought life of ours has a tremendous power over each of us. Now, Jesus told us that out of the overflow of the heart comes out of our mouth. What we speak reveals our, the real attitude of our hearts. And, and one of the things is our thoughts and our feelings really intertwine here. My dad had a habit of dwelling and fuming over an emotion, over something that happened to him. He could be angry for days, and nobody knew what was going on. And so what you think about, do you dwell and fume over a negative emotion? Or do you dwell over the fear of rejection inside yourself? Or anxiety of what if I fail? But those things begin to take root in your heart. It becomes who we are. Every action, every reaction is powered by that feeling. That is inward focused. We're only thinking about me. But God says we should have an outward focus, loving him and loving others. So Paul gives us another example of living a Christian life and how we do that with our thought life. And he said to the Romans that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We've talked before about garbage in, garbage out. Well, I think right now we need to purposely take the garbage out. To replace the negative thoughts, it takes intentionality, practice, because it doesn't happen overnight. And most importantly, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to input those positive thoughts to combat the negative. We're unable to do this on our own power. You can try all you want, but without the Holy Spirit, you can't. What really pleases God is for us to bear fruit not any kind of fruit, good fruit, that is stored up in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember the fruit of the Spirit? It takes knowledge of God through all spiritual wisdom, that's his wisdom, and understanding. So this knowledge of God, how do we get it? There are several ways. Remember the farmer? He didn't start with gas in his truck. Where did it lead him? 
fuel. We need to fuel up in the morning with the Holy Spirit. And he will guide our thoughts and our actions and our speech. The power is the Bible. Eugene Peterson said this, praying for God to give us wise minds and spirits that attune us to his will. Then we seek and we acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. Some of you are going to say, but I have no idea how to start. So that is overwhelming enough, and you don't do anything. Start with the concordance in the back of your Bible. Do you need guidance? Look for the word guidance and find the scriptures that talk about it. Some of us like devotions, and we'll get one little verse. How about if you open your Bible and find that verse, but read the entire chapter to get a clearer picture of what that verse means? I love Proverbs chapter 4, the entire chapter. It's a great way to understand wisdom, why it's important to have wisdom, so that we stay on the wisest path not going to the left or going to the right. And fuel from the Bible along with prayer. It's easy for me to say, all you need to do is pray. Every morning, get up, pray. However, I realize that that's kind of a struggle for some of us. Now, there are many books on prayer, and I probably have one of the largest collections. My questions always were, I want to know the right way to pray. What if I pray wrong and I insult God? There must be a, you know, the right way to do it. But what I have learned through the years, and I have to admit, most of the time I never got through any one of those books. Because what I was learning was, God just wants to hear what's right in here. We can be honest with him. Our feelings, our anger, our anxiety, all those things in our heart. He wants to hear that. It's just like having a conversation with your best friend. Tell him how you're feeling. Talk to him. Now, if, if you get distracted like I can do, I can be trying to pray and something else pops in my head. So what I've come to do is I will write it, that thought down and go back to it later. Because I know I'll forget it. But I can go back to what I was doing. Another way I have, um, when I first started praying, I journaled. But my journal wasn't just, you know, how my day went and all those things. I wrote a letter to God, just like I would a family member, telling all about my day, telling about my feelings, all those things. So that might be a way for you to pray. Another is scripture is full of prayers. Seek them out. See what is out there. Some of those things are going to touch your heart. And you can use that prayer to talk to God. <clears throat> the amazing word of God gives us strength. It's his power that enables us to make it through the long haul. 
It, it doesn't mean life's going to get easy, because we all know life is not easy. But the difference is we're not just gritting our teeth to get through. Instead, God gives us this strength, his power, to endure the unendurable. There is joy that is much more than happiness. It's this inner contentment. There's so many times that people say, I just want my kids to be happy. I don't. I want my kids to have joy. I want them to know that Jesus is their joy. That they have contentment within them no matter what circumstances are going on around them. Isn't dictated by that. It's dictated by the, the hope and the faith and the love that we get from him. And so we need to renew our thinking, renew our minds with positive, life-giving thoughts. And we need to know God's will. That sounds like a big, big job. But by reading his word, we learn what his will is because he gives us spiritual wisdom and understanding. The Bible and prayer. Though the distractions are still going to be shouting at us to get our attention, we can focus on putting first things first and keeping the main thing the main thing and we'll find balance for our life, true faith, and powerful love that springs from the hope we have. To assist us in focusing during this Christmas season, I have a challenge. Starting next Sunday, December 1st. I want you to take the book of Luke. And from December 1st to December 24th, I want you to read one chapter a day. I dare you. Because I want to be able to say on Christmas Eve, we're going to ring that bell and we're going to say, Jesus is coming. Really? Let's try that one more time. Jesus is coming. Amen. And now, Take a moment to prepare ourselves for the offering. And those who are new with us today, you may see a lot of movement in the sanctuary at this point. As the plates are...